welcome to Book World, The Great Escape. I'm author C.J. Peterson. My co-host over here is author Michael Scott Clifton. Today we're joined by a wonderful writer down below us, C.W. Hawes. Um, we'll get to him in just a few minutes. Before we get there, Mike, how was your weekend? It was a good one. Um, we uh, uh, we got to go see our grandson. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, he's not that far away now. Longview is about 50 minutes away from, from where we live. And, uh, and got to see some Ellis Pottery. If you get a chance, if you go, if you're in Longview at night, they have a Christmas walk and it's beautiful with lights and Christmas characters. Um, uh, took our grandson through there. He spent half his time running from, he's two and a half years old, spent his time running from one display to the next. It was, it was fun. And, uh, anyway, this weekend, um, Melly and I are going to be at the Abilene Comic Con and the Abilene Convention Center. My mm -hmm. son lives at Abilene, so by happy circumstance, we'll be staying with him while we're going to the Comic Con. And yeah, Brett works in uh, in Abilene, so we're going to be able to kill two birds with one so stone, so to speak. And then next Tuesday is the uh, Longview Art Walk. Mm -hmm. Normally they have it on Thursday, but uh, it'll be on Tuesday. It'll be the last Art Walk of the year. And we'll be at that from five to eight. It's in downtown Longview in the historic area. We'll be in the Barabank uh, lobby with some other fellow authors uh, mm -hmm. that we always show up for the Longview Art Walk. And then I will be on the Meet the Author podcast, Carter Novels, on uh, Wednesday, uh, December 7th, 6 o'clock oh. Central Standard Time, 7 o'clock. December 6th? Or 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, 7 o'clock uh, uh, Central Standard Time. So, and then... It's December one, 6th. December... Let me make sure. December 6th. I'm sorry. It's, it's, you're right. It's December 6th. It's on a Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. On Wednesdays with us. Yep. December 6th. Thank, thank you, CJ. At uh, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time, 6 o'clock. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, and uh, looking forward to that. It'll be my second time to be on there, the Meet the Author podcast. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, anyway, looking forward to the break. It's a lot that will conclude probably for the year the book events that we will be attending and uh, and uh, reload, I guess, for the next year. So there you go. Well, I was sharing with the guys that last time we were on here, basically I was sitting in front of that window that has the curtain with my computer on a box. <laughs> so today I actually have a room. Uh, I have a desk. I have a chair. There's a bed dresser. So our house is slowly beginning to be found. Um, the reno guys are now gone. We had a lot of reno going on as soon as we moved in. So for about two weeks. And so now we're just kind of slowly trying to finish unpacking while I'm trying to get Christmas up at the same time. So yeah, it's been fun. Um, but I'm trying to get it all done because I start school in January. So we're trying to get it all done and get it all fixed. So obviously um, events have been on hold, um, but we hope to start in, um, I believe the first weekend of February is Brazoria Comic Con down in Texas that we'll be at. I will be helping with that one and help run that one. Um, so, yeah, in the meantime, I know that next week we have drinks. Jinx Schwartz will be on. Excited to have her coming on. I've been trying to get a hold of her for a while. So, excited to have her on. Um, she's one of your Magnolia Bluff. Yes. 
writers. Um, and I know that you guys are currently on tour with Lone Star Literary Life Book Tour. Book yes. Tour. I'm a blogger for them. So oh, good, good. Awesome. So, yeah. So, well, yeah, that's sir. cool. That's a good thing. Welcome, sir. Happy to have you back. And good to be back. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. The last um, time we had you on for mystery, today we're talking yes. paranormal. So we were, we're kind of paranormal. trying to figure out a definition for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't. I don't see any difference. When I was uh, growing orchids, there were, um, you know, questions over species and and uh, genus and uh, how they were classified. Mm -hmm. And there were lumpers and splitters. The lumpers always wanted to lump everything together into big, you know, genera and the splitters wanted to split everything so there were all these other ones and there were no rhyme or you know reason about the whole thing no rhyme or rules about it so i i kind of see paranormal and supernatural the same way you're either a lumper or you're a splitter <laughs> i'm a lumper i just lump them all together yeah uh, i mean there's some very few not crossovers in those yeah i don't yeah i i mean you have in both if you're going to split them in both you have something that isn't within our realm of reality in mm -hmm. our nature so it's either supernatural above the natural as it were or greater than the natural um or it's uh paranormal which is about the natural or around the natural it's again not really natural so uh you know i guess if you want to split it fine it's it, i to me it makes no difference either way other than like we were saying before how is amazon going to treat it when we put those <laughs> keywords in there that's the question. It's the whole Amazon question of exactly how are they going to consider it? Today? Yeah, exactly. Today is the operative word there because tomorrow it might be yeah. something different. They'll change it. Um, especially like I love it when they change it when you're in the middle of trying to get a series out and they've changed yeah. the things and you're trying to figure out, oh no, I did yeah. that last time. So how do I, and do I go back and change it back again to the new yeah, one? Right. Or, yeah, no, it gets fun. But you've got some interesting ones. I remember reading one of them. I don't know if I can pronounce it right. The Zuvembis. Ah, Van oh, yeah. Dyne's Van Dyne's Zuvembis. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. The um, well, that's part of the Pierce Mostyn mm -hmm. paranormal mm -hmm. uh, investigations series. Um, that series came about because. Uh, I was watching reruns of the X-Files and it hit me I, all of a sudden that, well, what if, what if, uh, you know, the two investigators suddenly met something out of the Cthulhu mythos? And what if they weren't really just working for the FBI, but it was a really super secret government agency 
-hmm. that's purpose was to get rid of these Lovecraftian monsters that were going to destroy the earth. So then I said, did somebody else do this first? <laughs> well, I, there, there was a writer who was somewhat similar, but not exactly. So I said, that, that works. So, so then I, uh, so then I started running with it. And, um, so it, it's mostly cosmic action adventure horror is what Pierce Mawson is, but, but there are with Van Dyne, there's two Van Dyne books, uh, Van Dyne's an evil genius, which is a trope in and of itself, but he creates these monsters to try to again, take over the world, you know? Mm -hmm. So in the first book, uh, Van Dyne's vampires, he has all of these vampiric type creatures. Then in the second one, Van Dyne's Zuvembis, um, Actually, I pulled uh, the Zuvembi out of a Robert E. Howard story, uh, Pigeons from Hell. Pigeons from Hell is an awesome story. Uh, but a Zuvembi is kind of out of voodoo, although mm -hmm. I don't think it's actually voodoo. But the Zuvembi is, is essentially a, a, a woman who drinks the black brew and uh, becomes this timeless creature whose sole purpose is to kill people, uh, usually motivated out of hate. So using that kind of, uh, that idea, you know, I was then able to play with um, uh, things about hate and how hate can give you, you know, a bizarre purpose in life. <laughs> and, and, you know, so there were some philosophical things I, where I was able to toss around in there. But basically, uh, you know, the Zuvembi is a supernatural creature or a paranormal creature, however you want to classify uh, her. And so, uh, so I had great fun with that. So, oh, go ahead. So, um, I know you do a lot of. It seems like the books that you've read, I mean, that you've written, are kind of cross genre. So, what other genres would you say that you write in CW besides just the broad categories we've established of paranormal? Um. Well, I mean, I write, you know, a, a straight private detective mm -hmm. series, and. I, I do uh, have a post-apocalyptic series. Mm -hmm. um, it's on kind of hold right now, but it has a nice ending if I never get back to it. Um, those are just straightforward. There, there's really nothing supernatural about those. Right. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but I do, I do have uh, some shorter works that uh, one's a ghost story. Mm -hmm. that I have, uh, and a, uh, I have a uh, vampire story, and I love vampires. Uh, how can you not love vampires, you know? <laughs> and so, um, and then I have uh, uh, a, a Cthulhu Mythos short story. Uh, what is that? What is that? Yeah. 
Well, the Cthulhu mythos um, is an invention of H.P. Lovecraft. And Lovecraft was a materialistic nihilist, or nihilist. Um, and his, his base philosophy or, or worldview is that given the whole scope of the universe, mm -hmm. we are nothing. And, and so to kind of play this out, he created this race of beings that he calls the elder gods, Cthulhu being one of them. And basically they're invading or trying to invade our world. And there, you know, there's always a group of somebody trying to stop them. And usually they do, uh, or Cthulhu and his ilk just sort of decide, ah, eh, this isn't quite the right time. But um, the purpose of that is to show that that we are insignificant, and that there are these greater beings who really don't care if we live or die. It's like us and ants. Do mm. we care if ants live or die? No. No. Well, that's how Cthulhu is. He doesn't care if we live or die. Gotcha. So, so the Cthulhu mythos is a sub, maybe a sub, sub, sub genre of, of horror or supernatural literature, whatever you want to peg it. Um, I've thrown in an action adventure twist to it because Lovecraft did not do action and adventure. Um, but I think for today's readers, they like a little more action. Although gee, Lovecraft's very popular, but I think generally speaking, today's readers like some action in their stuff. Wow. So in their wow. reading. So <clears throat> so Pierce Mostyn has a lot of action, but the base <laughs> premise is set in the Cthulhu mythos. And and so it allows me again to play with the philosophical question of do we actually have meaning uh, or don't we? Mm -hmm. And if we don't have any meaning and these beings are going to squash us eventually, why are we even bothered stopping them? Mm. And so, so I, I'm able to play with some of these philosophical type issues and I don't, you know, it's not heavily, heavy laden or anything or heavy handed is this is nobody wants to read that stuff but except philosophy students but um but i sort of you know kind of sneak it in there to kind of give the reader a chance to think about it mm -hmm. hmm. so horror is you would include horror as one of the elements in paranormal well it could be uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, uh, and oh. and then it gets to, well, how are we defining horror? Is horror a genre or is horror a characteristic? Um, there are some no. people who don't call horror a genre. They, you know, they just say it's a characteristic of a science fiction story right. or a fantasy story or or a, you know, any kind of story, you know. So... Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, 
I think horror sort of has its a little separate. So you can have paranormal and it not be horror per se. Right. Um, and you can have, um, you know, well, shoot, you can have fantasy without magic. So if you can have fantasy sure. without magic, you can have anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it all comes down to what type of recipe are you wanting to create? Yeah, exactly. Story has different elements of pretty much every genre. It's just which one are you currently highlighting in this particular right. story series? Right. But we we we've taken genres and we've like subdivided them into so many thin slices now that it's hard to know when the, where the genre begins and ends. I know that at a lot of uh, book events that I've been to, and what if you know I'll ask someone, well, hey, do you like to read? Yeah. What do you like to read? Horror. Yeah. Not paranormal, not fantasy, not science fiction. Horror. And yeah. so I think in the mind of some readers, anyway, uh, that it's definitely its own category. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you, Mike, that there there are a lot of people who are in that camp. And, and again, yes, I would say Splatterpunk, for example, is flat out horror. I, I don't know that you could sandwich it anywhere else, you know, because it doesn't really fit anywhere else, mm -hmm. but it's its own kind of horror. It, it's totally different than cosmic horror. For example, it's totally different than a ghost story really. Right. Well, unless there's a ghost doing the splattering, right. I guess, I don't know, but, um, you know, I, I, it's, I tend to, I guess, with uh, my paranormal, supernatural stuff, I, I think I sort of slide towards the horror end of it, mm -hmm. but there, but it's really different. So in a, in a novella I, I, that I have, Do One Thing For Me, it's about an old man, George, and George is going senile and he knows he's going senile and he's house sitting for a friend who's out of the country and it's just George and his dog in this house and his sister calls him every now and then to check on him because George's wife has died and George is suffering a lot of grief from the passing of his lifelong partner. In the course of the story, we, we sort of see George beginning to unravel and he meets a young woman, Beth. But the question really comes down to, as the story unfolds, is Beth real or is Beth a figment of his imagination? Mm -hmm. And if Beth is real, then she's a succubus she's a demon mm -hmm. but she might not be real <laughs> so, <laughs> so and that's where this that's where the story ends i i don't say what she is if she's real or not that's up to you the reader to decide if she's real or not because quite honestly i don't know because <laughs> Most authors basically tell the reader the ending point. Yeah. You're letting it kind of hang and be like, 
I'm leaving it to the reader's imagination, which is unique. I haven't heard that before. So that's pretty cool. Well, it, it kind of comes from, uh, I wrote poetry for, for a lot of years and, and published hundreds and hundreds of poems. Um, and the, the type of poetry I wrote was Japanese poetry, uh, English language, obviously Japanese poetry. I don't know Japanese, but, but like haiku, tanka, that sort of thing. One of the key things in writing tanka in particular, which is what I, I specialized in, is that the poem is the middle of the story. Mm-hmm. So the poet's giving you the middle of the story. You, the reader, and this is a convention they understand. You, the reader, then supply the beginning and the end. Hmm. So with that in mind, I, I use that approach. I won't say often, but I do use that approach when I tell a story. Um, I don't give the reader everything. I let the reader come up with it on their own. Fill in the blanks. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Got it. No, that sounds interesting. So uh, I know a lot of stories tend to start with the what if question. Mm -hmm. The more creative the what if, the more creative the story. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, I I mean, I, I see the beauty of reading is that it is really a two way kind of street. You don't get that watching TV, I don't think it's you're just there watching it but when you're reading a story you're you're actually be interacting with it there there's more that goes on than just your eyes sliding over these words you're taking the words you're you're taking them in you're interpreting what the author is attempting to say and I mean, there's a theory of language. I don't know that I necessarily fully buy it, but there is some value to it in that once you as the writer write your story and you put it out there for the public, your viewpoint no longer counts. Mm-hmm. It's the viewpoint of the reader that counts. And, and to some degree, I think that is true because all of us approach a story with a different life perspective, a different life set of life experiences. Mm-hmm. which is going to govern how we interpret the story. So with George and the young woman, Beth, is she real or not? Depending on your background, you're going to come to it with a certain set of, of uh, solutions to the story mm-hmm. based on what you've experienced in life. Interesting. Well, I know you mentioned the different perspectives because I was part of the underground authors when we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah beyond the sea yeah beyond the sea we were given just a picture yes and all of us wrote a short story from just that picture and there were totally different stories yes yes completely and utterly different stories totally totally overlapped Um, but that's that's just and that's the same thing as the reader the reader takes in the story they kind of see through it through the glasses of their life exactly exactly that's exactly it and that's that's why um you know, Caleb Pirtle would, would say that, you know, you can't really plagiarize because you're going to take something. And even when you try to plagiarize it, 
you're going to come up with something really different than the other, mm-hmm. the, the original author. And, mm-hmm. and to a large degree, I think that's true. And, you know, our anthology kind of showed that mm-hmm. we had a picture. Right. We all had the same picture. There was right. nothing different about it for any of us. And yeah, I heard all the stories. They were all different. <laughs> they were all different. I mean, it just was amazing what we all got out of that experience looking at that picture and then what it ended up in. And so, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, it, it's the the reader and the writer have a special relationship when they read and so you know when you write in in this case you were you know paranormal fiction you're writing about say what you know you know so you write a vampire story um but your understanding of of everything is is different than somebody else's there's a there's a young Scottish woman. I don't think she's writing anymore, which is a real shame because she's excellent. R.H. Hale, who wrote a novel called Church Mouse. And it's from the perspective of a vampire's servant. Hmm. I had never, ever read a story from the perspective of the vampire servant. And this thing was just, awesome it it was it's an awesome awesome novel Mm -hmm. because it's this young woman's interaction with these beings who are supernatural you know or paranormal whichever you want to call it they're greater than us they're not of us anymore and yet she's very human Mm -hmm. and and uh Hale was able to just, you know, like pull me in. And even though the main character is female, you know, and I don't necessarily do very well with female main characters, but um, because of my guy, I guess, I don't know. But anyway, she just, she just was able to suck me in because, because she was able to portray all the emotions Mm -hmm. that were universal. So, you know, it, it's a phenomenal novel. And we have about two minutes left. Two minutes, the two-minute warning. I know, it went by fast. Um, if you were to give advice to somebody who wanted to write paranormal, what would you tell them? Or supernatural? Whichever, yeah. Or, or both. <laughs> um, I would say, first off, you have to read it mm-hmm. and and like it. If you don't like it, you're, you're really not going to enjoy writing it. If you don't enjoy writing it, the reader's probably not going to enjoy reading it. <laughs> so, you know, I think you really that have to same, read it. Yeah, it's that same theory of no laughter from the writer, no laughter from the reader, no yeah. tears from the writer, no tears yeah. from the reader. Yeah. yeah, you have to enjoy it. So th- that's the first thing I would say. And then and then the second thing would be uh, just sit down and start writing. Uh, because if you've if you like it, you're going to see the world through that set of glasses. Mm-hmm. And when you see things out there, situations, you're immediately going to start interpreting them for how you can put that into a paranormal supernatural story. So, and having read what's already out there, 
will help you to not repeat what somebody else has done. Right. Very cool. Um, to learn more about CW Laws, make sure to check out his website at www.cwhaws.com. Um, he has multi-genre, so make sure there's tons of stuff to check out. Um, meanwhile, next week, we're going to have author Jinx Schwartz, who's also part of the Magnolia Bluff series, crime series. So we'll be talking to her about her, her series, Head of Coffee. So looking forward to that. She's a fun lady. Um, CW, thank you for coming on today. Thank Always you for having me. Talk to you. Always a joy. Um, is there anything you'd like to add? We have one minute left. I would just say that uh, for all the readers out there, this is the best time to be reading. There's so many good books. And for all the writers out there, just keep plugging away. You have an audience. Yep. Definitely. Also, this time of the year is a great time to find deals on Kindles, Nooks, yes. and Kobos for those e-readers. Um, there's also a lot of paperback specials that are out there, so make sure to check them out. Yeah. I know I have some. All of my fellow authors tend to have some about this time. So load up your Kindle or your Nook or whatever your preferred e-reader is for the entire year about now. Um, in the meantime, we'll see you guys next week on December 6th with Jinx Schwartz. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye.